How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. WFAN. WFAN-FM. New York. Good morning, everybody. It's America's Bob Salter. What? Just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. We are going to have a doozy of a show today. The reason why is we have a show today that is going to be covering a couple of different aspects of a topic that we explore. Eh, Usually it works out a couple of times a year. And that topic is autism. This month of April is officially designated as National Autism Awareness Month. The guest who's joining us in the first hour of our program has spoken with us uh, previously. As a matter of fact, she last joined us on um, Christmas morning of uh, last year. Dr. Janet Lintala is joining us in hour one of our program. She has an interesting background as the founder of Autism Health. Um, She's also the author of The Unprescription for Autism, A Natural Approach, for a calmer, happier, and more focused child. We'll be talking about that book as well in the course of our discussion. Uh, Dr. Lintala, it's nice to speak with you again. Good morning. Good morning. In beginning this discussion, I also need to mention the fact you are the mom of three boys who have a variety of, I guess we could refer to them as issues, um, on the autism scale, uh, as I believe I can, is the way I can phrase it. Um, beginning the discussion, I usually start off discussions like this talking about what autism is, but I want to shift the focus a little bit here. Do this a little differently today, because there's been a lot of attention focused on autism in part because of the incidence of autism. Now, if you look at the numbers, I guess the latest ones that come from um, Autism Speaks, the numbers indicate that autism is affecting one in 68 children. As I say that, the natural question that comes to mind, and I put this to you to start us off, are we talking about an epidemic? That is the question, and there are two camps on this issue. And I can see where each one is coming from. And one camp feels 
there is a worldwide pandemic, uh, alarmingly increased rates of autism all over the world. And then the other camp says, no, it's been here all along. We just didn't recognize it. We put it into other categories. And it's just part of the natural human spectrum. Autism is just one end of normal. And those are two very different viewpoints. And there's different research projects on each side to back up their claims. And, you know, I've been an autism mother for over 20 years now, and it did seem like there was this huge increase in autism. And it just caught us all by surprise. And where did this come from? And when I was a girl, you know, back in school, back in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have inclusive classrooms, and we didn't see anyone, really, with strong disabilities. And I guess in a child's mind, they just weren't there. And now we have inclusive classrooms. We have better diagnosis, better awareness. So, of course, that's going to account for some of that dramatic increase in the rates of autism. But then there are research studies that show the environment is affecting our genes, all of us. You know, it doesn't always just mean autism. It can be cancer or other things. And so is it just enhancing and flaming the health issues that they struggle with and making it more noticeable? You know, I don't think the question has been settled yet, if it's been there all along or if it's a worldwide epidemic. How do you describe what it's like to be an autism mom? I guess if I had to pick one word, it would be chaos, <laughs> especially back in the early days before we had any help. Now our life is much smoother, but uh, there there are a lot of invisible health challenges that we were unaware of that accounted for these dramatic incidents of either sleep disruptions. I mean, I didn't get sleep for years because my child had so much difficulty sleeping, that alone causes a lot of exhaustion and chaos in a household. And then there's there was a, an element of hyperactivity where he would roam from room to room, just picking up objects from one room and setting them down in another, um, creating a huge level of chaos in our house. I was outnumbered by three boys at that time. Um, there were some mood and irritability issues, and at the time, we didn't know that they were caused by discomfort and pain. Usually in the GI tract, there were some, you know, like I say, medical challenges that we were unaware of. And it was just chaotic, uh, impulsive, disorganized. And now, years later, our home is much calmer. Um, the medical issues have been recognized and supported properly. We're much more um, rested, and our moods are better these days, and we're more organized. But I, when I talk to autism families, um, not everyone has this presentation of the, the health issues, but I hear a lot about chaos, and we just learn to roll with it in an autism home. Mm. Well, does it help? I mean, your, your background is that you're a um, doctor of chiropractic. I believe your husband is a medical doctor. Has that helped you in dealing with this? It has helped tremendously because many years ago when I started going to autism conferences as just a parent, I began to realize there's way more to autism than anyone ever dreamed. It's a very complex condition. And my scientific background, I have a degree in genetics, and my husband's medical background really helped us understand 
what was going on in this. It took a lot of years. It's very complex. But I was also able, because of my background, to bring it back home and share it with other autism parents. We networked like crazy. And I could explain what was going on. And that eventually led to me opening uh, my office. I hadn't planned to practice, you know, once I realized I was dealing with a family full of autism and autism-related issues. But I just seemed to have the background to be able to um, understand it at the conferences, train in it, bring it back home and explain to people, and let them know some simple things they could do at home to support those health conditions. It was very helpful. Our, Our backgrounds turned out to be really helpful. Well, the natural question that comes up, too, is, you know, when people talk about the idea of the cause or causes of autism, one of the first questions naturally comes up is the idea of, is this genetic? Where are we in terms of looking at that? Genetics are very involved in autism, but they're not the only thing that's involved. Back in the 90s, they spent, uh, I think, about a decade and millions and millions of dollars of research money on the hunt for the autism gene. We thought maybe there's a single autism gene, and there's not. It, It turns out it's hundreds of genes are involved, and each one has a little different function that it does and that it affects the person either you know, in a good way or a bad way. And it, it's how you end up with this collection of genetics. And then, like I say, it's not just genetics because the siblings have a lot of the same genetics and they're not autistic. People in the main population have a lot of these genes, hundreds and hundreds of them, like I say. And it just depends on if they're turned on or turned off. And that's where the environment comes in. So you can't blame it all on genes and you can't blame it all on environment. But the environment does affect our genes. We know that it causes diabetes or cancer or different conditions. And it can affect if a gene is in the turned on or turned off position. And each little gene has a function. And if it's turned off when it shouldn't be, really affects function, and after a while you collect a lot of genes that are turned on or off inappropriately, and then you're getting into where you have probably enough things going on for a label or a diagnosis. And again, that's where the people who think it's just one end of normal go, hey, these are just the folks who ended up with a lot of genes turned on or off. We all have the same genes. Those are just affected by the environment. So you can see it's it's really, it's interwoven genetics and the environment. And then the third arm of that is the timing. You know, when did this environmental trigger happen? If it happens prenatally or preconception, it has a much stronger effect than if something happens when a person is 60 years old. So genetics, environment, and the timing of the trigger. One of the thoughts I had heading into our discussion today, and we'll explore this when we uh, continue in this program, is the idea of why it is or has it ever been explored why parents of autistic children are not autistic. I mean, I think that's a natural question to come up in discussion. I want to put that question to you as we continue. Let me just mention the fact that we are talking with Dr. Janet Lintala on our program on the fan Uh, Dr. Lintala is joining us for this hour of our program. She's the author of The Unprescription for Autism, A Natural Approach for a Calmer, Happier, and More Focused Child, the founder of Autism Health. We'll talk with her about both of those uh, entities 
and talk more about this uh, topic of autism. We've really just begun in our discussion. You want to join us? Hey, why not? You can. Uh, our number here at The Fan is toll-free, and you can dial it at any point in the course of our discussion. It's 877-337-6666. Oh, I love those guys, and I'll certainly be listening tomorrow morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter. We're in discussion on our program on The Fan about the topic of autism. This month of April is National Autism Awareness Month. We're talking with Dr. Janet Lintala on our program. She's the author of The Unprescription for Autism, A Natural Approach for a Calmer, Happier, and More Focused Child, the founder of Autism Health. And um, we just started our discussion. We haven't even gotten into talking about your uh, book yet in the course of the discussion. We were talking a little bit about genetics before we uh, paused. And I wanted to pick up on that before we uh, start with folks on the phone at uh, 877-337-6666. That's our number here at The Fan. Um, I posed the question of why is it that parents of autistic children themselves are not autistic? Is there any indication why that is? Well, you know, autism is a spectrum, and you can go from the profoundly affected, and those are the people, I think, that are not, you know, forming families and having children. But it also goes to the very, very high-functioning people that probably either don't realize they're on the spectrum or don't have a diagnosis, all the way up to just like where someone's slightly socially awkward or slightly geeky. And actually, those are the people that are becoming parents. I, in fact, this um, quote-unquote epidemic was realized, I think it was back in the 90s, back in Silicon Valley, when the very intelligent, computer-oriented people were moving to Silicon Valley, and they were meeting and marrying each other and having children, and there was this huge bump of autism in that community. And so the parents are not obviously autistic. There is a genetic component. So, you know, they're passing it along. But I I think people are thinking of maybe the more profoundly affected people that will have to live in residential living and, you know, not be able to hold jobs and things. Those are the folks that are probably not having kids. But the really high-functioning ones are. I see that in my office all the time. And I think long ago people didn't realize. I have wives who whisper to me, you know, I think my husband's on the spectrum. They're there for their child, you know, in the office that day. But they're beginning to realize, oh, this goes back up the family tree a little bit. And, again, that comes back to that idea that autism has always been with us. We just didn't always recognize it. Mm. So we've gotten better in terms of diagnosing it? Absolutely. Screening, diagnosing. It still needs some tweaking, though, because guess what? We've been missing all the females. Everything that we use to screen and diagnose autism has been developed by only studying boys. And there was this assumption the girls and the boys are alike. And it's turning out they're very, very different. And I compare that to if I told people to choose from among all the birds in the world and look for the birds with the huge shimmering tails that open up into a fan and have blue and green feathers and a little crest on their head, people would go, oh, I get it, I'm looking for peacocks. And you're right, that's what I've asked you to screen for, but that's the male bird of the peafowl species. The female is gray and plain and doesn't have any of that you know, pizzazz in her plumage. And we're realizing now with, you know, girls and boys with autism and adults, the females are very different and we've been missing them. We always think boys are four to five to one over girls in autism. 
but really it's probably going to turn out to be more like two to one. There's way more girls than we thought before. Very interesting uh, discussion so far. Let's get some thoughts in from some of the folks listening to us. WFAN's toll-free line is 877-337-6666. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, Pocono, and Resorts Atlantic City. We'll go to the phones first to Seth, who's been holding for a while in New Jersey. Seth, thanks for hanging on. Welcome to the fan. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I'm not sure I have a question. Um, I wanted to participate. I had a discussion with my son on the ride home last night from seeing his grandparents, and he was actually talking to me about his IEP, which he's had in place since we've had him in school, and he wanted to take a look at his report because he's reached a stage where we've literally taken or decided to take take away the rest of his services or extra help because he keeps doing well. It was very satisfying for me because we've been working on this since he's two and a half years old. What I'm trying to share, or at least what I see as the most important point is early intervention. He's our third child. He wasn't speaking. We didn't necessarily catch it at that point. I mean, literally he would, if he wanted, if he wanted something to drink, he'd go to the refrigerator, pull something out and hand it to us. So we knew he wanted milk or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize it was anything. We didn't realize he wasn't speaking because he was just handing us something. Again, it's our third child and we're busy. So we gave him his milk. The key, at least for us on this, I guess, 12 year journey so far is the early intervention. At that time, he's two and a half years old, was sitting with a, a, a pediatric neurologist. I thought it was the worst day in my life. It's 15 years later, and I would share with anybody, look, looking back, absolutely 100% the best day in our life. Had we not been able to take advantage of the services that the state of New Jersey provided, I don't know where he'd be. He'd still be my child. I'd still love him, but I don't know where he'd be. If he was diagnosed or attempted to be diagnosed today, I swear to you, I don't even know if he'd be on the spectrum. But I think uh, as, as far as there, the million subjects or, or points you could make, I think early intervention is a part of it, or at least in reference to my son. You know, just one other point. You also mentioned that there were environmental uh, uh, aspects of this. His two older siblings, he has a sister who's three years older than him. And again, Having an older sibling, even if you're, gosh, you're old enough to be watching the Brady Bunch and recognizing that the younger child is always trying to stay in line with or catch up to or stay up with the older child, without his older sister, who is a very smart girl, without his older sibling and him striving to reach the levels that she's at, just being three years older, I think also was a huge environmental factor that we had absolutely no control of. Feel bad. I feel bad for any parent who's either not recognizing it or doesn't have the luxury of the autistic child not being the oldest and not having that environmental impact. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I just wanted to share that early intervention, I think, is the most incredible impact, at least in our child's development. Seth, thank you very much for your uh, comments. Certainly continued good luck. And it's good to hear thank you. Good news, too, about uh, your son. Um, would you like to comment at all, Dr. Lintala? I would. I agree with Seth that early intervention is probably the most important thing you can do. Don't spend too much time in denial or trying to find another excuse for your child's um, 
weaknesses or skill deficits or behaviors and get help right away. And I also want to stress to look at those medical issues early because they dramatically affect sleep, irritability, mood, learning, communication, and the earlier everything is recognized, the better. Everything just gets better with intervention and with medical support and with early therapy. Let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. Back to um, New Jersey, to Kevin in Madison. Kevin, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a, a couple of uh, situations dealing with the autism and autism spectrum in my life. We were with a, a good friend last night whose daughter is three. Uh, she doesn't talk. She goes to a special school up in Mawa. It's a year-round school. Uh, it's a different curriculum every day. And, Doctor, I identified very much with what you said because my friend expressed to me that the stress-free environment that they now have at home because of this ability to send her to this special school and, and make her happy. Uh, they have this book where they, she points to things and they do what she points to so she can identify the object in the book with her activity. And uh, it's, it, I, I was very reassured by, by my friend's attitude and how he felt, he felt at peace. And, and, and the continuing emphasis of a stress-free life for him, his wife, and their daughter. And, uh, and, and once again, emphasizing the fact that this was discovered early. They fought with their local board of education to get their daughter placed in the school in Mawa. I think it's the Reed School. It costs $80,000 a year. But, but the, the, the town, once all the diagnoses were in, put it the bill. And, and, and their doctors are emphasizing the, the, the great advantage of this early detection and early education. Uh, and, and one question, his concern was more so for what is going to happen when him and his wife pass, you know, what is going to occur in her life. And my wife and I have attended several uh, uh, adult autism uh, functions for charity where they take uh, the, the severely autistic out and, and do, uh, the, you know, functions with, and, and do things with them. But uh, so your comment and, uh, and, and that question is what happens uh, much later on. Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you for your call this morning. Travel safely. Um, would you like to respond, Dr. Lintala? I would. Uh, what happens later on depends on their level of function. And as the last two listeners have pointed out, early intervention can dramatically change the level of function. Our home went from chaotic to peaceful and organized. If our son had not received early intervention and early recognition of his medical challenges, which were driving his wild behavior, I am convinced that today, he's 22, that he would be in residential living being cared for. But the the difference is I have a 22-year-old now that drives. He's in college. He has a girlfriend. He's an Eagle Scout, an assistant scoutmaster, things that I never dreamed he would achieve years ago because we all thought that you couldn't make a dent in autism, but you can. Autism is not this horrible tragedy that everyone thought it used to be with the right intervention, the right support, and, key point, the right support from the medical challenges, which greatly affect their brain function and communication. 
um, you can change the future of these folks. I think they can become an independent, included, valuable part of everybody's community. We just need to understand what they need. We're working hard and throwing therapies at them so they can fit into society, but society has to make an effort too and understand how to include them. And I think there will always be people in residential living, the more profoundly affected. But from what I see in my office, you know, around here, they're beautifully cared for. They're happy. All of their needs are tended to. And so I feel better as a parent about that. But I also see more people able to live independently or semi-independently, and I'm really heartened by those developments. Mm, Because it's a completely different understanding of the, for lack of a better term, abilities of these folks than was the case when you and I were coming along in school and growing up. Right. Well, we understand now that you know, it used to be people thought autism was a mental illness, mm-hmm. and now they think it's more like a communication or behavioral disorder. But if people understood everything that was going on in the brain of an autistic person, and not everyone you know, has everything on the list, but research is progressing so fast, and it shows that many have brain inflammation, oxidative stress, autoimmune attack on the brain. They have higher rates of seizures and tics. They have this immune dysfunction that that activates the inflammation system in the brain. They have more anxiety, depression, and mood disorders. Um, They have more infections in their gut, and those are little metabolic factories that create toxins that affect the brain. So they look like the person sitting next to them. There's no look to autism, but that brain is under attack, and if all of that can be supported and cleared up and calmed down, wow, they get so much more from their therapies. They really improve and function, and I believe more and more and more can become independent and included in society with that early recognition of autism and whatever collection of medical challenges they are facing. Dr. Janet Lintala is talking with us on our program On The Fan. Guys, Macy's Men's Suiting Clearance event just made updating your wardrobe a whole lot easier. Hurry in for incredible 70 to 85% savings and find your favorite designers. Save on suits and separates, sport coats and blazers, dress shirts and ties, dress pants and more. This is the one. 70 to 85% savings on the looks you need for work, special celebrations, nights on the town and more. Hurry, Macy's Men's Suiting Clearance event ends soon. Savings off clearance prices, exclusions apply. Hey, it's Jimmy from Zipa. Let me ask you something. Are you slipping at the job? Did you not get that promotion that you were supposed to get? Are things just not working out? Are you becoming more irritable? I have a reason for you. It's because you snore all night. And if it's not you snoring, maybe it's your spouse. But bottom line is you're having completely interrupted sleep. Interrupted sleep is almost like no sleep at all. What you need to do is you need to get a Zipa. Go to zipa.com. That's Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. Zipa.com. If you're snoring all night and you're not getting a proper night's sleep, next day when you get to work, you're going to have a bad day at work. You're going to look weak, all right? You could lose hundreds, thousands, millions of dollars. I don't know where you come from. 
But if I don't do well and I'm a little weak, next thing you know, I won't be sleeping in the bed. I'll be sleeping with the fishes. Go to zipa.com. That's Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. Zipa.com. Here's a question. When's the last time you bought the latest smartphone and got a smart TV for free? Mm, probably never. Because that would be crazy. Well, never say never, because right now at Verizon, when you buy the new LG G6, you'll get an LG Smart TV for free. That's right, buying this sleek new phone with a 5.7-inch full-vision display and dual 13-megapixel rear cameras now gets you a free TV. And not just any TV, but a 43-inch LG Smart TV, plus the largest, most reliable 4G LTE network in America. Now that's a good deal. And all you have to do to get it is switch or add a line to Verizon Unlimited. So don't wait, because it's not every day the latest smartphone comes with a free smart TV. Hurry in. Offer ends soon. Device payment purchase required. Line must be active on eligible plan for six months. Visit vzw.com backslash digital rebate center to submit a claim for the TV promo and for details. TV shipped eight to ten weeks after receipt of claim while supplies last. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. As the new MLB season gets underway, the Ringer Podcast Network has baseball fans covered with the Ringer MLB show. Playing exclusively on the TuneIn app for the month of April. Plus, we're giving listeners a free 60-day trial of TuneIn Premium where you can hear every MLB game. Download the TuneIn app. Come out to Yankee Stadium for the opening week of the 2017 season as the Yankees host the Tampa Bay Rays April 10th through April 13th. Monday, April 10th is both opening day and magnetic schedule day for all guests presented by AT&T. And on Wednesday, April 12th, MasterCard presents $5 tickets in select areas of the Terrace, Grandstands, or Bleachers. For tickets, log on to Yankees.com or call Ticketmaster today. It is Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. Thank you for uh, joining us on our program and people listening literally around the world uh, to this program. A lot of people hit us up on uh, Facebook during the course of the program, too. Let us know that they are uh, joining us. We're in a discussion about the topic of autism. April is National Autism Awareness Month. On our program is Dr. Janet Lintala. She has talked with us before She's the author of The Unprescription for Autism, A Natural Approach for a Calmer, Happier, and More Focused Child. Let's talk about the book. How did that come, okay. about? How did that come about? That came about because of the complexity of the medical challenges facing children and adults on the spectrum. And I began to realize, I donate my time at my center, so I just started out kind of locally and seeing whoever wanted help with their child. And over the last... Eight to ten years, it has spread and spread and spread, especially as the research has progressed and we understand the health issues are driving a lot of the behaviors and problems on the autism spectrum. And I just was talking all the time, Bob. It takes hours to explain it. And I finally thought, I need to write a book. People were coming from like 15 states, and I was just talking for hours. And so I put everything into this book. It explores the hidden, often invisible health challenges of the autism spectrum. I cite almost 300 scientific references from peer-reviewed journals. And like I say, the research is awesome. And then I give step-by-step protocols of how to naturally and safely, based on the science, support these health issues. And people are responding. They're following the protocols. And I'm getting 
readers messaging me going, wow, my child's finally sleeping through the night. My home is calmer now. His mood is better. He's not irritable or aggressive. And she can learn better in school. And the therapists are thrilled. And it's nothing in the book cures autism. I mean, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder that's kind of permanent. As the one listener pointed out, he doesn't even know if his son would qualify anymore. We call that losing the diagnosis. But it just improves function. And you have a child or an adult who feels better, and their brain is clear, and they're calmer, and they, they're just their whole body functions better. And that's what we're after as parents. We want a happy, healthy child who can grow up, be their best, have their best shot at success, and be part of the community. Let's go back to something you mentioned early on in our discussion, and actually I was watching a television interview that you had done um, with the TV station uh, in Alaska uh, earlier this year, and you mentioned the same thing in there that I want to refer to now. And that is the importance of supporting GI health. Um, I think I know what you mean by that, but can you explain that? I can. And, you know, 15 years ago, if I talked about autism in the gut or the gastrointestinal system and autism in the same sentence, people would get this confused look on their face and go, what does the gut have to do with autism? Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out almost everything in about three out of four people on the spectrum. Now, there's a certain group that doesn't have any GI problems, and that's wonderful for them. But Many, many, many people on the spectrum, children and adults alike, struggle with acid reflux, constipation, diarrhea. The research is showing 50%, that's a huge amount, 50% do not make enough digestive enzymes to even break down their food and get their nutrition. That sets them up, you know, for all of these issues. They have inflammation. The really severe cases may have ulcers and inflamed polyps. That creates a ton of sleep disruption and irritability and even aggression. Autistic people are not naturally irritable or aggressive or sleep-deprived. And the standard medical approach is to say, oh, you can't sleep, here's a sleeping pill. Can't poop, here's a laxative. Can't behave, here's an antipsychotic. And yet they're just treating symptoms. They're not really addressing the gastrointestinal dysfunction itself. If the research says they need digestive enzymes, give them digestive enzymes. You would be amazed at what falls out of the picture when you do that. If they don't have enough beneficial bacteria, give them a probiotic. Again, huge developments in language, brain cognition, behavior. And the research is clearly showing they're far more prone to infections of the GI tract. And this goes back, remember how I keep saying these conditions are invisible? You can't look at someone and just tell by looking that they don't make enough digestive enzymes or have an infection in their GI tract. Bacteria and yeast that set up shop in the GI tract that shouldn't be there are like little nasty metabolic factories. And they create lots of byproducts and toxins that get in the bloodstream and affect the brain, and affect their health. 70 to 80% of our immune system lives in the GI tract, and so there's often this immune dysfunction as well. They catch a lot of colds or they have a lot of congestion and allergies. They might have an inhaler. They don't feel well when they're at school or at work. And like I say, over and over, just supporting these issues appropriately with enzymes or probiotics or treating the infections, um, cooling down the inflammation that they're prone to, 
you would not believe what an increase in function and happiness that you get. Like our home went from chaos and craziness to this calm, peaceful home where people develop and learn appropriately. It's almost like, like we say, like losing the diagnosis. I don't know that my son would qualify for the diagnosis anymore. I can tell he still has all the traits. He's just a really happy, healthy, high-functioning person on the spectrum now, and that doesn't bother any of us. What is it that you would say to uh, parents who are listening to our discussion who they maybe have concerns, okay? They're not sure whether their child is would qualify as being on the spectrum or not. How should they proceed? Screening is now done at the 18-month and 24-month well-child visits at the pediatrician's. Um, if, the, if the pediatrician isn't screening, there's resources available at the local preschools and schools to get a diagnosis. I would say don't be afraid of the diagnosis. The diagnosis is the key that unlocks the door to all the goodies, all the support, all the early intervention. And I would read, read, read. I would read every book you can get on autism. And many people are looking at it as a gift now. Now, I know if your child's profoundly affected, you're not going to think that way. I never dreamed we would look at it that way. Seth mentioned that during his call. The saddest day of his life went to the happiest day. I heard, you know, my son telling his brothers once that he likes the way his brain is different. He loves his autistic brain because it's so different and creative, and he doesn't have a box that he thinks in. And it's turning out with proper support and intervention it's a good life. It can be um, creative, and they can be part of the community and contribute and have jobs and families and marry and have children. And it's not the tragedy that it used to be. So don't be afraid of the diagnosis. Ask your pediatrician to screen or your local school to screen and get that diagnosis and jump in. Some people will also point to the challenges that a child being on the autism spectrum or several children and family being on that spectrum, the challenges that may present for the family financially. What's that like? It is a huge drain. I have heard families talk about spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the help they need. And my family's in that same boat. We spent everything we had going after the right support. Part of the problem was that back in the day, we didn't know what the right support was, and we ended up looking under a lot of rocks. I would do that again. Now it's a little more clear-cut. People are more on the ball. The screening's earlier. The intervention is almost automatic, and it, it is expensive. I mean, I will say it takes everything we've got, and when they turn adults, those services kind of dry up, and so we see a lot of families living with their, you know, their grown child with autism that isn't independently living yet, uh, very expensive. I would like to see more services uh, from start to finish uh, with autism. And in terms of the way in which autism is viewed, um, research in this area is funded, what, I guess, what is needed versus where we are right now? Especially when we look at those numbers that we talked about earlier in terms of the incidence of this? Well, you know, I don't know that we would want to use the word 
prevention. You know, adults with autism say that's very hurtful to talk about that, but you can prevent the health challenges associated with it. Like I say, we used to throw kids into therapy without addressing the medical issues, and that child was having to power through a fog of brain inflammation, autoimmune attack on the brain, acid reflux, constipation, lack of sleep, anxiety, just unimaginable what they had to power through. But if we if we could get services to the point where the medical issues are more recognized, I mean, the research is out there. It's solid. It's global. It just takes you know, probably a couple of decades for it to trickle down to where it becomes mainstream accepted conventional medicine. But these issues are clearly outlined in research. I think if people address the medical issues and that the children and adults didn't have to power through the fog of health issues, all of our therapies that we're spending money on would be more effective. They wouldn't have to struggle so hard. And so my my stick is, you know, the medical issues. That's always my angle, whether I'm speaking or writing, is recognizing and appropriately addressing medical issues. This month of April, I've mentioned a couple of different times the fact that it has this designation nationally as Autism Awareness Month. What does that really mean? Well, long ago, you know, I felt very alone early on in the in this journey. No one had heard of autism. No one had met anybody with autism, or they thought they hadn't met someone with autism. And there was this huge push for autism awareness. And now the world lights up blue in April. And we love that. Yes, everyone's aware there is autism now. And so we're getting better services, better diagnosis. But for autism families, it's Autism Awareness Day every day of the month. And now the push needs to be for awareness of their challenges and how we can best address those. But still, um, autism's a full-on month for us. We do every walk, talk, fair, and fundraiser that comes along. I write articles. I do radio and TV. Mostly I listen to autism families to see where they are now, what's going on, what what new change needs to happen. But we are grateful for na- for the um, National Autism Awareness Month. It's just time for action now. What is your hope with the book? My hope with the book is to change the way conventional medicine approaches autism. Right now, if you say my child can't sleep or he's constipated, has acid reflux, or is very aggressive, we are handed prescriptions for sleeping pills, laxatives, antipsychotics, things like that. And I'm not against prescriptions. I always joke I didn't write the anti-prescription. But those are just symptoms. You know, the, the The real questions start with why. Why can't my child sleep? It's not because he has a deficiency of a sleeping pill. It's these invisible health issues, acid reflux, constipation, belly pain. And so if we supply what the research is saying they need, I want to change the way medical doctors behave when someone with autism walks into their office and they need to say, oh, you have GI dysfunction, let's give you probiotics, digestive enzymes, check for infections in there. You would be shocked, Bob, what drops out of the picture when the real medical problem is supported and they're not just medicated for their symptoms. That's the whole goal of my book. I've mentioned also you're the founder of Autism Health. We've got about a minute left here. What is Autism Health? Autism Health is my center in West Virginia, and that's where I donate my time. We see children and adults and their families on the spectrum we teach about the medical issues. We support the medical issues. I design 
you know, suggestions for people to follow step-by-step how to restore vibrant health for their child or adult child on the spectrum. And, you know, we follow along with services as they go through high school. We try to hook them up with the Division of Rehabilitation Services and Voc Rehab. I like to get them driving. My next book is going to be on overcoming barriers to driving on the autism spectrum, independent living, happy, healthy. That's my whole goal at my office, and that's what we do for everyone who comes there. Dr. Janet Lintala, our guest on our program here on The Fan this first hour. She is the author of The Unprescription for Autism, A Natural Approach for a Calmer, Happier, and More Focused Child, founder of Autism Health on the web, by the way, at loveautismhealth.com. Thank you very much. Certainly continued good luck. My pleasure. Thank you. Another guest joins us as we continue this Sunday morning. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 